Hello, this is Elizabeth Chapin with Austin Enneagram, and I'm sitting in the rain in Vermont. Today I had a conversation with my friend Bernadette Knoll, who has taught me a lot about being a mother, being a fierce mother, a nurturing mother, and doing it the way you want to do it, doing it the way that feels right. Also, she's taught me a lot about being unapologetic, being a woman and being unapologetic, and being an advocate. And I am grateful for that. Bernadette is an author and she wrote a book called Slow Family Living. I'll put the link for her book, um, how to purchase her book in the show notes. And today, Bernadette, she's an eight, and we're, we're um, continuing with Helen Palmer's book and discussing type eight in that book. And she's also part of a, an organization she started. She's the founder of an organization called Reduce, Reuse, Re- Remake, um, which is um, helping. It's a community building, consuming less, reusing more. And she's been doing that as long as I've known her. So she's kind of an activist and a community builder, I would say. And and a great, great, powerful mother. And we had a good discussion today. I think feel like together we came, we found some little nuggets. And so in going through Helen's book, one of the terms she used at around the 40 minute mark was inner city. And I wanted to take it out because I don't think it's a term that I want to use. I don't want to use that term. And I was looking for a way to replace that term and any way in which I replaced it with impoverished or high need um, did not make the point that Helen was trying to make. And so instead of replacing the word, I left it in there and I'm going to put in the show notes some articles I found about the problem about using the term inner city or um, words that are used to cover over to, to blame people instead of blaming systems and, and policies that created the dynamic in the first place. So um, just a little note on that and I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Eights describe a combative childhood where the strong were respected and the weak were not. Expecting to be disadvantaged, eights learn to protect themselves, becoming exquisitely sensitized to the negative intentions of others. Eights see themselves as protectors. They see themselves as shielding friends and innocents by placing them behind their own protective bodies while continuing to struggle against unjust odds. Does that resonate with you? I mean, do you feel like I'm already crying? Um, 
It, I mean, it, that whole that whole concept of like, of, well, two things. One, the the negative intentions of others. I sometimes feel like I'm I'm so hypersensitive to that that I'm that I'm accused of of seeing negative intentions when there aren't negative intentions. And then two, like really being sensitive to, to making sure that the playing field is is level for all. Um, I mean, I'm really aware of, of any kind of gatekeeping that that might exist. Yeah. And to the point where, I mean, I just, I can't be quiet about it. I mean, it really, it, it informs every part of, who I am and and the and the work I do even yeah um, and the whole yeah well I so say the work you do like to tell me how the work you do plays into gate like well I do a lot around um like reuse and community and building community through the concept of you know consume less share more and right. um I mean even the I do a lot of clothing swaps <clears throat> and even the first one I did which was probably 15 years ago was because I'm listening to the advertising for tax-free shopping day. And I'm just like, Oh my God, they're, they're trying to get everybody to go out and buy stuff. And that's not, that's the message everyone's getting, whether they have money or not. Every parent thinks that that's what they need to do. Um, And so everything I, I feel like everything I create is around that sort of leveling of the playing field, making sure that, there are no barriers for anyone. Um, the whole concept of like trying to convince schools to use the school supplies that are there already, rather than every year asking parents to participate in this this new purchase, this brand new purchase. You know, it just always yeah. seems like it's not fair. It's not fair because everyone doesn't have. $40. So, I mean, everything yeah. I do is through that lens of, is this fair for all? Yeah. Or does this welcome all people? Yeah. And, and so how does, um, so as far as like the combative childhood and the strong and the weak, like the strong being respected, I mean, you have, you have such a tight knit, I don't know your family, but what I can tell from your Instagram is that you have a tight knit family your mother recently died. Uh, that was a, you know, she was a huge part of your life, right? Your siblings are a huge part of your life. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, my siblings are why I had four children. Wow. So that I could give them siblings. That's so amazing. That's so amazing. <laughs> so, but like, does as far as your family dynamic, do you feel like the strong was uh, considered, like, were y'all afraid of weak? Did you get some message that weak was not good? Or do you think you just had that yourself? Like you just put it on. Your I side? mean, that's a, that's a really interesting point. It's hard for me to separate, like, what is my position in my family being eighth child mm. um, with my four brothers being directly older than me. <laughs> right. Just that alone, just that um, setup alone. <laughs> kind yeah. of, you have to sort of fight for what you want to get, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the, the strong, uh, the loud voice or the voice who got the last word. Yeah. The squeaky um, wheel. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. And yeah. that you, and you, you wouldn't be heard unless you were 
somehow participating at a at a high high level, be that yeah. volume or or quantity of words. Yeah. So that's an that's an interesting, you know, because I think sometimes we get locked into these concepts of like what what an eight's childhood was like or what a seven's childhood was like. And so this is not a you you didn't have to be strong because your parents were sitting there saying, be strong, be strong. You had to be strong because you had a lot of siblings and you were the youngest and you had there were a lot of boys and you had to. Yeah. And I actually just, so there's one younger than me. There's nine of us. Oh, um, OK, OK. But and still. so sh- my the youngest is special needs and mm-hmm. was born, you know, instantly new upon her arrival. And so I, you know, I've only learned this through years of therapy and lots of other um, things, but like, I really, even at age three, I mm. feel like I was the protector of my mom. Like oh. I was her emotional protector because she was so overwhelmed when my mm. little sister was born. That was so, she already had eight kids under the age of 16. And then she has this special needs child who requires so much work and and there was so much unknown. Um, and so just really like serving uh, to make sure that she was okay. Yeah. That, that her overwhelm um, didn't get the best of her. And so part of it, there was like a little song and dance that I would do to try to distract her, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But also like if something was hurting her, I felt like it was my role to make sure that she was comforted. I yeah. mean, I, I served that role and I served it joyfully, you know, for many years up until her, up until her death. Yeah. Yeah. So you feel you're protecting her from overwhelm or from, from- overwhelm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was expecting I mean, I you to say, I was expecting you to say that you're pr- the protector of your little sister, but no. you were the protector of your mother. <laughs> so were you protecting your mother from your little sister or just I from- was, Okay. I'll, I'll, so my earliest memory is like my mom curled over at the table. So all my siblings had gone back to school. I was little, mm-hmm. so I wasn't going to school. So it was just me, my mom and my little sister who was uh, she has this bizarre syndrome called Prater Willie. It's got many facets to it. Um, but we didn't know that at the time. We didn't know what what her issue, what her syndrome was. And so my mom is sitting at the table sobbing. Mm. And I just remember like as a little kid, just like holding her arm, one a little bit scared, like what is happening? But also two, like, I got you. Aww. like Aww. and I feel like I did that your whole life um yeah her whole as long as I knew her mm-hmm. was, yeah life. and see that's the tenderness under all the protecting like we see most people when they see AIDS they see the what's happening but they so often fail to see the tenderness behind all the advocating yeah. and protecting and drive, you know, the drive. So yeah, and I so that's I, a good I story. Mean, sometimes I struggle with the eights description of being like, I because I, I totally get the 
the protector part and the community builder mm -hmm. part and the making sure everyone has what they need kind of thing. But I don't really like, I don't, I don't feel like I fall into the um, super angry <laughs> or, <laughs> but also when, yeah, I read yeah. the so when I read the social aid, that mm -hmm. fits. You, you feel that so fits you. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily think of eights as angry. I don't think they're angry. I just think they're, uh, there's a, there's a force and an energy and a clarity behind them that. That sounds nicer. Yeah. Well, I just think it's easy for people to say, I think it's very common when someone is directive for the person that's being directed to say, Hey, stop being so angry or whatever, which is almost like it. I mean, it's kind of a form of gaslighting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like when I'm very clear with my mother, um, even when I'm very fair about my comments, she'll just say, oh, you're so angry and self and defensive. And I'm like, wait, wait, I'm going to go back and read. That was not angry and it was not defensive. Yeah, so, yeah. So I don't think of eights as angry. I think, I think of, you know, um, other numbers as angry. I don't think of eights as angry. There's just a power there. that's easy to call anger, you know? Yeah. 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 The non-acceptance of status quo. Yeah. I mean, and so it, would you say that's a powerful energy for you the non-acceptance of status quo? Oh my God. There's like no system I look at where I think, oh yeah, we'll just go along with that system. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's I mean, I used to draw it, it before I knew about the Enneagram. I mean, the Enneagram has, has that's it. That's a system. <laughs> it's a fluid I mean, one. Also, though. like yeah. it has, it's a system, but with play. Right? Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. I like that. You can Bernadette. Help, you can be healthy. You can lean this way. You can know this. But I, I mean, I think that non-acceptance of status quo is drive my kids crazy. Yes. Like, oh my god! Like, can't we just go along with? the things like every other family does. Yeah. Like when they say we're having this event at school, can't you just shut up and, <laughs> and go along with it and just of let it happen. Like, yeah. Why are we doing it this way? Or why are we mm. having this? Or this disallows this admission for this person. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. But, yeah. But like knowing that, that, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes felt like before I knew about the Enneagram, that pushing against systems sometimes was like, just, just go along with it. Or why are you always changing everything? Um, Honestly, we need, and now that I we know need it, that like, energy. We yeah. need that energy in this world. You know, I mean, when Kathy and I started future craft collective, right. Way, way back in the day, that was a craft class that we did for kids. And that came from sitting with my daughter and looking at an American girl catalog. Yeah. Like, and you got looking mad. through the catalog and reading the language of like, oh my God, like, look what they're selling. They're selling, they're selling love and inclusion and friendship. That's what they're, that's their marketing angle. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, and this whole concept of consume, consume, consume. I, I, yeah, that has, yeah. that has sort of um, led my, my entire life, the amount of consumption that we are, that we are directed to do. Um, 
it's just like that's a system where I'm like, oh my God, look at how they're manipulating us. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading this book. Have you ever read Charles Eisenstein? No. I'm reading this book right now. Um, and it's I think I can't remember the title. It's something about the more beautiful world your heart already knows or something like that. And it talks about it talks about that all these systems, whether they're financial systems, school systems, medical systems, all the systems are uh, part of what he calls the the story of separation and that we've been in this story for you know thousands of years and that we're shifting in this into the story of interbeing or interconnectedness. And so yeah. one has to have a willingness to look at every single system and question it and ask yourself like whether you're responding, to that system out of a sense of interbeing or out of a sense of separateness because the systems are set up for us to be to accept them and to be passive and to be and to be uh uh and to kind of believe that that everything is separate and that we're there's only so much of the pie and all that kind of stuff so so we need you, Bernadette, <laughs> to help us find our way. Um, I mean, even the book, I wrote a book called Flow Family Living. And, 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 you know, when I look at that now, it was all everything. It was, you know, ideas for basically how to reject this, this yes. dogma about family life that was that was being delivered yes. to us. Yes. And that that's another system. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, you've been an inspiration to me. My whole like I'm so glad wow. I'm I moved to Austin and met you and all of and Kathy and everybody when when my li- my children were little because it gave me especially moving from New York City. Um it yeah, ga- yeah. it gave me it, well, I think moving from Missis- like Mississippi as my base and then New York City, which are two um systems that are very much part of what I was just talking about, you know, um, status, appearing a certain way, playing by certain rules, all those things. Um, And y'all, I think really modeled for me that motherhood can be whatever I need it to be. Yeah. 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 That's really nice to hear, man. That was a magical moment in Austin also. Yes, that's true. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's still there in parts. Okay. Anyway, let me yeah. get back. So um, rather than being cowed by conflict, eights find their identity as enforcers of justice, taking great pride in their willingness to defend the weak. Love is more often expressed through protection than th- through demonstrations of tender feelings. I think that's true. Commitment means taking the beloved under the wing and making the way safe. The central issue is control. Who has the power and will that person be fair? The preferred position is to take charge, to exert one's own power over the situation, and to maintain control over other strong contenders. There is a need to test the fairness and capability of authority. Will I fall into the hands of wrong-minded people? Are there a bunch of fools? How will they react under pressure? Let's test them out. Yeah, but I don't think an aide is ever going to fall under 
people with bad intentions because they're not going to allow themselves to be swept up. Yeah. And where do you think, um, where do you, because that's something I have noticed is this kind of almost, how does she describe it? Um, exquisitely sensitized to the negative intentions of others. I have noticed that in eights, I know that they almost, as you were saying earlier, they just, you assume that someone's got it in for you or that they're not being fair or that they're something, something not good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the first line of thinking in almost anything that is uttered to me, be it (laughs) politics, be it money. Yeah. My first thought is like, how, like, what about how, like, how what that? about intimacy, love, relationship? Like, is your first thought when someone wants to be close to you, are you suspicious? Only if I'm at a, if I'm at a weak point. I mean, there's a, there's a thing I, I'm actually, been, I've been struggling with lately because, you know, my kids are all moving out. I've got one son left at home, but he's a teen and I hardly ever see him now and mm-hmm. so this um this feeling of like when I am alone do I still have value yes like, totally I because you're not day. you're not helping anybody you're not fighting against anything mm. you're not creating I mean that's a I just had a big long talk with my brother about that um like finding relevance in solitude I think is difficult for me one as an extrovert and two as an eight yes that might but yeah as people I don't think I I question people's um motives oh actually I'm I'm gonna take that back I I guess (laughs) I I think I do (laughs) I think I do sort of Question: If if someone comes in too quickly, yeah, like looking for uh, friendship or intimacy too quickly, I'm like, no, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or suspicious, maybe not out, but definitely wary of of their intentions. Yeah, but I haven't um, seen them for a long time now. So what's that? that? I said I've been single for a long time now, so that could explain a lot. We, yeah, you get um, you develop habits, probably. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it, yeah. Um, the usual test of power is to press people's vulnerable spots and watch to see how they'll react. Will they retaliate? Will they buckle and be weak? or stick to a principle at whatever cost? Will their story change when they're up against the wall? Will they lie? Will they manipulate? Or will they spit out the truth? The boss is, the aide is checking out motivations during a fight with a friend. It is a request for deeper intimacy. Does that feel Mm -hmm. true? Yeah. Say that, say that again. I think that's, I think, I think it's interesting that the, the eight is checking out motivations during a fight with a friend. It is a request for deeper intimacy because eights believe that the truth comes out in a fight. The fact oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is radical to me that the, I mean, I know that it's true that the truth comes out in a fight, but it, the truth comes out in all kinds of ways. Well, and a lot of times people accuse me of fighting and I'm, I'm so surprised. I'm like, what? I'm not fighting. Not, this is not a fight. We're yeah. You want to see a fight? fight? You want to see a, fight? a conversation? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had to really like check my face a lot too. Like, especially <laughs> my, my kids and they'll be like, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll look at me and be like, look at you coming in all hot. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not hot. Like, I'm, this, is <laughs> this is just me coming in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is how I come in. Yeah. Totally. Um, uh, and I, I think I always attributed that to being in a big family, which could be partially true. But right. I think primarily I attribute it now to being a number eight. I think so too, because I think there are probably a ton of people who are in huge families who are like a five and they just go hide out or they're yeah, a nine yeah. and they just merge with everybody or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I think it's definitely. Yeah. And the Enneagram has made me really aware too that like, okay, this is how I operate mm -hmm. and everyone else is operating in their own way. Like even after splitting up with Kenny, like understanding Kenny more now because mm -hmm. of the Enneagram. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's just so informative for, for all, all relationships. Yes. I and I haven't really typed my kid. Well, I've typed a couple of them, but I know we're yeah. not supposed to do that. No, that's okay. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to not. It's hard to resist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that what you were saying about seeing that other people are different, the fact that fighting can be a way to achieve intimacy is shocking to those who are intimidated by open anger or who are unnerved by the fact that intimacy and anger can be closely linked together. And so, you know, you were saying you don't like the being considered angry. And I think, I think because it doesn't feel, I mean, st stop me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like what you're saying, like, I'm not hot. I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just dealing with this. It doesn't feel yeah. like anger. It just feels direct. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's not anger. It's directness. Whoops. Yeah. And so, we, uh, yeah, absolutely. So other numbers, it feels like anger. And so I think it's, that's why it's helpful to understand all this. Yeah, absolutely. An eight's tough exterior protects the heart of a dependent child who was prematurely exposed to adverse circumstances. Many eights live out their lives without looking within themselves to rediscover the tender feelings that they have hidden since the loss of childhood innocence. The unfortunate result of a lifetime habit of looking outward for who is to blame is that when attention finally does turn inward, the realization that we all play a part in our own undoing can hit an eight with suicidal force. Very strong thing to say. Well. Wow. Eight say that however much they may blame others, that it could never carry the punishing force of the self-blame that they direct against themselves. Blame and the desire to punish wrongdoing are key preoccupations because by defining a point of blame, one can legitimately act to seize control as a protector of the innocent and enforcer of justice. 
Anger and action can be mobilized against an outside threat. And anger makes an ape feel powerful by instantly replacing the underlying fear of being made vulnerable to others or of being betrayed by someone who you trust. Mm. It's very, very strong paragraph, I think. Yeah, yeah. The whole blame thing. Um, Do you feel that you have a tendency to blame or need to blame or have someone? No, that's 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 interesting. I mean, unless I'm looking at a a a great this you know where I can I I guess I I would blame systems maybe. I I blame capitalism. Yeah, it's it's it's, (laughs) yeah it's yeah it's uh. I blame our founding fathers. I you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so big broad blames like you know yeah, yeah but i i i feel like i own it if i do wrong i am a really good apologizer that's been my experience with every eight i know that's why i get along with eight so well because mm, I, yeah. I don't i don't really i mean i say i don't really care how you behave but kind of in a way i don't really care how people behave as long as they can apologize like i everybody messes up and everybody, yeah. and I think, I think the ability to come in hot, as your children would say, um, allows me, even if that coming in hot is needs to be apologized for or whatever, it, it, it gives me something to latch on to. It, it helps me with intimacy. And so I personally respond to it, but um, yeah. And some yeah, people- I mean, and sometimes I, I, you know, in retrospect, I, you wonder like, well, an abuser can also be a really good apologizer, right? Yeah. So there's like, a fine line between. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I, I mean, I, I've always been, and even in a situation where I feel like another person held a large part of where I okay there it is or another where I blame another person (laughs) (laughs) okay so let me retract that earlier that's so funny that's so funny um but I I mean I I'll come in I I am I am not hesitant to apologize at all yeah yeah it's a and I'm also not hesitant (laughs) to be super vulnerable like if I'm if I do feel injured or hurt in some way I will I will put that on the table, but that could also be part of the like confrontation and not accepting hmm. just In- what is. Interesting. You know, Interesting. Here we're having this issue. We're sort of not no one's talking about it. Yeah. I I would like to schedule a meeting with you so we can sit down and talk about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. Uh, eights carry a deep suspiciousness of ambiguous presentation, mixed messages, or unclear chains of command. Security. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, no ambiguity. <laughs> no, it's why I struggle so much with meetings. Yeah. Like when you're, oh my God, when you're sitting in meetings and there's just this like, you're just like, oh my God, get someone gets the point and stop talking in circles. And if there's a meeting and and no one leaves with an action, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why did we just spend all that time and no one's leaving with an action? Right, right. Yeah. Don't put me on a committee. I'm not good. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be on them either <laughs> for similar reasons. Security means knowing who you have to go up against and who is going to cover your back. Under pressure, attention narrows to a measuring of one's own power against the strength or weakness of an opponent. Is the opponent innocent or guilty, friend or foe, warrior or wimp? Eights rarely question their own opinion. Waffling on the merits of an opinion or probing one's own psychological motivations would only serve to erode a strong personal stand. So that I feel like as I get older, I'm getting better at that. I mm-hmm. feel like that would have been true of me 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm much better. I'm much better. And maybe it's because I'm aware of the Enneagram that I am much better at mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I was gonna like, how I was gonna ask you how did how did you how did you find out how did you figure out how to be much better? Like what was your what was your um I mean, honestly, it really could be learning about the Enneagram and realizing like, okay, that's that there are many ways. This is my way. There are many ways. Yeah. Um, and, and listening. I'm, I also am aware that, you know, I don't need to be the, I don't need to be holding the mic all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I do like a mic. <laughs> you got one today. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Eights want predictability and control of their lives, but they quickly become irritable and bored. I thought this was interesting without the challenge of a position to defend. So once the rules, oh. of con- once the rules of conduct are laid down, this cracks me up. Eights will often proceed to break the guidelines upon which they themselves have insisted. If eights are bored or have extra energy to burn, they will create trouble. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that there's this need for clarity, need for guidelines, make the guidelines, then you might get bored and break all of them. Does that resonate? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that also links into my, my sort of, I'm not going to say depression but that feeling of when i'm solo what is my purpose yeah yeah like, i wonder if that plays into that yeah like, i'm just sitting here what is the point yeah yeah it's hard to i think it's hard to know what one wants what one really wants you know um when you don't have all these you know children or jobs or like all the things that make it easy for us or makes it automatic for us to be, you know, what is it? I'm really, cause I'm empty now. So I'm really trying to think about it. I know I'm an artist, but it's also just within the definition of artist. Why am I making art? Why am I making art? What am I, what am I making it for? Why, why? Like I, it feels really important to me to make it for the right reasons. And, yeah, yeah. And so I, I think it's, those are, I think. Well, and how much more time you have now that you don't have. Yeah. Other humans to tend to. Yeah. Right. To, to not just do your art, but really question that. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's that, maybe so, that's the point of these, of this sort of emptiness feeling of, um, 
is is to sit in the why now yeah. now what is my role what is my relevance and I know my mom that was my mom's question at the very end you know when she was living with us like this desire to make sure that your actions were still relevant yeah and that your your person was relevant yeah I mean through your art or or just like through, through daily life or just through, I guess, through nothing is what I kind of want to get to, you know, just through absolutely no other, my relevance through no other lens from just the isness of the world, you know, and hard to get to. Excess is another way to blow off extra energy and a common eight solution to the problem of boredom. Too much of whatever feels good in the way of sex and substances, all night binges, heavy entertainment, working exhaustively so that you drop like a tree, liking the taste of dinner so well that you finish three plates in a very short time. Once attention locks on pleasure, it's hard to divert it. One good thing leads to another and another until the eight is the last one left at the party. Your excesses don't seem to be around pleasure so much. I mean, or maybe I'm wrong, but you tell me. Like, no, I mean, maybe it's like, maybe mine is is staying up all night. Just yeah, like staying up really late. And mm. I, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't really feel like I have much um, struggle with excess. Huh. Um, although I do like, I'm, you know, I joke that I'm the last one to leave a party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's, I mean, that's good. That's something that could be an excess of, I mean, I don't human know. Human contact. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there's a kind of, uh, in your, your fight for justice and wanting everything to be fair and, and kind of that being centered around um, consumerism, if that makes your relationship with excess really different from, say, an eight, because I know eights who are not, they have no, they have no concerns about consumption, you know, yeah. and so you're, you're an unusual eight in that you're, you have some concerns around consumption and um, that's kind of your life focus. You right, and I actually think the initial concern about how much we consume really stemmed from the idea that not everyone can consume because of financial inequity. Yeah. Right. So that was the, that was the jumping off point for that. Yeah. And then when you start dissecting the whole marketing machine. Yeah. I'm just wanting it like, yeah, that's my soapbox. I just want everyone to know, like, okay, I know you're buying that stuff, but I also want you to know that they're spending billions of dollars to make sure that you receive that message that you're supposed to buy that stuff. So it really, yeah, it's all linked. Yeah. yeah. Um, I get, okay, here's where my excess might be, where like I do estate sales sometimes. And I'm also big about like making sure that things don't go in the trash yeah. when it could be a useful item. So there might be an excess of stuff that I'm trying to farm out to make find sure a home for person yeah. that needs it. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. I mean, I guess the back of my car might be excessive. Might be my excess. (laughs) (laughs) It's mine too, man. It's my my place where I let it go. (laughs) As with each of the nine types, maturity and self-observation will lead the eight to recognize the limitations of a narrow point of view. Each type is ultimately led back to a recovery of a valuable aspect of essence by the path of its own preoccupations, which for an eight means the recovery of that original childhood innocence that was sacrificed in order to survive in a frightening world. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think that. I mean, my, I, I, I feel that childhood innocence thing. I mean, I have such a marking point of when that childhood innocence was stopped. Yeah. You know, I was little. I was three. Um, and that, um, and this sounds so awful to say, but like, the birth of my sister changed everything. It changed my mom. It changed our family. It changed, um, yeah. I mean, there yeah. were groups of people coming in two, three times a day to do this patterning with her. Um, yeah, which, you know, I'm I'm sure contributed to I know contributed to who I am and how I, how I receive people now, but um, yeah, that, that, that mark, that, that's always really interesting for me to hear. Cause it's like, Oh, I know the exact, I can put a pin in that. That's so, it's so interesting. Yeah. And, and I think it's beautiful that that's, that's an eights job like people always like what's the work the work for an eight is to find that childhood innocence again with to find that tenderness to find Mm -hmm. that open open I mean it's all of our job to find our open-heartedness but I think very specifically for eights this kind of sense of innocence Mm -hmm. um which is uh probably have a really different energy from, I mean, the interesting thing is that the energy of an eight is to protect everyone else's innocence, but really they need to protect their own or it's not protect though. Cause you can't protect it. It's fine. It's like re reunion with it. Yeah. So eight survived their childhood by taking a tough personal stand. Their world, as you've been describing, their world felt dominated by bigger, stronger people who wanted to control their lives. The child struggled against a sense of unfair odds and survived by any form of confrontation that would make enemies back down. Reports range from beaten children who fought back to inner city children who gained respect from peers for not crying, for not showing weakness and for winning fights. Where there was no physical abuse in the family, eights report that they were respected for being strong and rejected when they look weak. I mean, it's hard to, to, to determine what is the result of being the little sister of four brothers. <laughs> right. Is, and, and, you and, know, yeah, I mean, there was yeah. a lot of physical, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not... It, wasn't abuse like you, you yeah there wasn't abuse but yeah you 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 had you, to be weak you had to be strong in order to get yeah, any kind of attention yeah any weakness was not totally taken advantage of and yeah. mocked right as always and mocked <laughs> okay so see that's is that yeah i mean 
obviously, you know, mocking. It's what all siblings do. It's not like it's this thing. Yes. But, yes. but I mean, but there's a message there. And um, yeah. yeah. And again, like a five who is being mocked for weakness might just retreat into their own head, into the library, yeah. into some other space. But yeah. um, but you rose, you rose to meet it. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is, yeah. which, you know, which means that you engaged with your siblings in a way that some other m- numbers might not have. And so that, that has fed your relationship over the years is this consistent engagement you've had with them. Yeah. And I would say my brother, Damien, who is an artist and a four. All right. Probably my closest relationship is with him even though in our younger years that was I mean, there's there's five years between us but yeah anyway I don't know what I'm saying there well I mean I guess what I'm saying is that your eights don't let go of the engagement they hold on to it they're tenacious and I think that in a family system that can be really beneficial because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, what am I trying to say? Like, you know, I think people just shift, they shift away from each other and they lose touch or they just lose intimacy. Mm. And I think eights, you know, cannot, they often fight for, I mean, not all the time, but I think it's like you, it seems to me that you always, maintain that and um yeah yeah and maybe if it hadn't been for you I don't know your siblings would have to answer this but if it hadn't been for you there might have been it might have been a little more diffused I mean maybe you really held that well that's interesting because even the summers when we would go to stay with at my mom's you know we'd, we'd all gather there every summer for a month and my my role was really to serve as the host, even though it wasn't my house. I kept everything, you know, we, I kept everything running. I kept the activities going. I made sure that, you know, we knew who was coming when and yeah. 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 So that's interesting. It's important. It's important. Eight say that they initially wanted to please others when they were young, but that their innocence was taken advantage of and that they were hurt when they showed their vulnerable side. I guess you were just saying you had to, it's not so much that that's true. It's just that you had a lot of brother energy and you had, you weren't necessarily hurt. Exactly. Yeah. The eight is unlikely to understand the opponent's counter arguments because internal attention will no longer fluctuate to reconsider the question. Once an eight's attention moves into battle stance, <laughs> most con- contradictory evidence will will be denied because the eight cannot afford to shift attention long enough to think the evidence through. Um, okay, seems- that's something I feel with age and with knowing. Yeah, that that's something that I work on, like really listening. Mm-hmm. But then. If once I disagree with it, I mean, you kind of 
once I see the points are not valid to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, to to you. Yeah. Being off yeah. reward. I mean, I think my my experience with fighting with eights is that they are they're sort of a dog with a bone, right? And they are they're uh they they get in there and they know how they feel about it and they know what they want and they know what how they want to do it. And when when one presents a different way of doing it or a different reason or whatever, um they just it's like it doesn't, it's almost like it doesn't exist, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel that eights are pretty good at like, sometimes I feel like eights are pretty good when I'm having different ideas from them or, of just kind of, sometimes they'll fight with me, but sometimes they'll just be like, uh, and they just go, Probing. Do well, they just go do it. Like they just, they just go do it the way they want to do it and sort of Absolutely. Like, like just kind of like it's almost like okay Elizabeth like pat pat no and I do think yeah. that that is what like <laughs> say, saying to somebody in the end like well you know what we're just gonna have to agree to disagree yeah 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 I'm not I'm not seeing what you're saying yeah I don't agree with that but yeah, yeah. the absolute truth of uh well I'm just gonna go do my thing I'm yeah. gonna do it this way yeah yeah. 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 The preferred state of existence is highly amped, fully energized forward motion. Um, the time lag between impulse and action is short. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's definitely true. Like, okay. And that's why, again, the idea of sitting on a committee is like, well, we already have the idea. Yeah. Why are we having so many meetings about it? Yeah. Just do, let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we waiting? Yeah. yeah. So many of my projects came from that. I mean, I think of that first uh, clothes swap that Kathy and I did at, at Zilker. Um, and that was all about the tax-free shopping day. And it was just like, it was maybe a matter of weeks from being angry about this tax-free shopping day to we're, we're doing this thing. Yeah. 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 And so a lot gets done. Um, a lot gets done by three sevens and eights because there, there is this, how does she, I like the way she puts it. The time lag between impulse and action is short. Yeah. 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 It's good. Um, so aggressive numbers get a lot done because they're not questioning that and they're not allowing for that time lag. And so where that gets sticky is, is, uh, allowing for, you know, other people's points of view or ways of going about it or nuance within that plan or just even uh, maybe seeing that, and this is hard for me as well, seeing that a meeting that doesn't end in actionable items still has validity, like that, that things, options and ideas and like even the spirit of it. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. Like I've been in a meeting, mil, mil, million meetings where nothing was done and, and, and it also felt unproductive, but I guess what I'm saying is that things cannot get done, but can still be productive. Sometimes mm. <laughs> you're like, whatever, Elizabeth, I don't know. What to- <laughs> um, that, yeah, I, I I think so. I think so. It's hard to sit for it, but it's, I think it can be true. Um, 
the denial of personal limitations often leads to a parallel habit of denying one's own physical and emotional pain. Instantly find a way to block out the feeling. Yeah, I think I'm a pretty good feeler, but I also know I've done a lot of work around that. Yeah, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. That, let's see. Uh, the, al- the alteration of awareness that is necessary to deny a painful experience is a fundamental asset to a good fighter, but can become a source of terrible suffering when that fighter begins to be affected by what other people think or begins to fall in love. At the beginning of love, eights find themselves torn between the reopening of the tender feelings of the heart and the habit of denying softer emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Not not feeling it. Yeah. You're not feeling it? Okay. No. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm just wondering, I'm wondering, I can't speak for you at all, but I'm wondering if what feels tender to an eight in a relationship is mm, not really that there's no cost to it, that they've figured out a way to quote, like have a sort of display a feeling that doesn't cost them. And so therefore, so you can kind of say, Oh, I'm being vulnerable. I'm being tender, but you're really, there's like not a lot of, I mean, I, I think the, the one thing is if I'm, if I am being vulnerable, I, I think I want it to move quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. The short time. Which left. is why, like, maybe that's why I would bring it to the table. Yeah. Because... So you can get it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Funny. And then um, Helen talks about Karen Horney's book called Our Inner Conflicts. And she talks about how Karen Horney devotes a chapter to. So this would be like the three. uh, The three. uh, Not triads, but um, dances. So, yeah, yeah. So she describes them as um, the 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 people the numbers whose primary defense is to move against others. And that's so that's eight, um, yeah. and and then another chapter that is about moving towards others, and and then another uh, number who moves towards two. Oh oh okay okay yeah I want to get this right I don't want to mess this up. So she so there's. The type that moves against as a primary defense, the type that moves towards others as a primary defense, and that's a two. And I'm guessing, uh, yeah, so that's that's the dependent stance. So moving towards others is aggressive. Moving, I mean, sorry, moving against others is aggressive. Moving towards others is dependent and moving away from others, five, is withdrawing. So what Karen Horney is saying is that the eight has all of this energy in their, in themselves because you go to five and stress and two and security. And so that's really, I had never read that before. I think that's so interesting. So that's a very, 
that is the a capacity to have very balanced energies, which is mm-hmm. so, so fascinating that you have that, you know, like for example, a seven has no, you know, they have no access to anything in the heart triad in their stress and security or wings. And like a two yeah. has no 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 access to the head triad and their stress security and wings and so in your your um stress and security points you are accessing these different ways of protecting yourself moving away from people against people or towards people and i don't i haven't thought a lot about that but i think that's super interesting and I, I think it's also really interesting that y'all go to two and insecurity that that kind of, wow, that that kind of tenderness and heart centeredness and wanting to be of service, wanting to be in the center of, you know, caring for everyone. I mean, it's like a very, that's beautiful energy for an eight. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel, I feel like I'm, so you're saying that eights are, do have access to all yeah. of that? Yeah. Like that you go to, that y'all have, to, you have access to two in, in security and access to five in yeah, stress. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, that that's all that, those are the three different stances. So that's three different, and those are the three primary energies. That's why we have the nine numbers. Wow. Okay. That's right. That feels lucky. Yeah, it feels lucky. So like the people are like, why nine numbers? Well, because everything's based on head, heart, gut, right? Everything's based on our primary energies. And not not all of us have, like, it's just wild that y'all have access to all of those energies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cool. It's cool. I, I, I would like to like study that more and maybe we can, we can talk about that going forward. Yeah. That'll be good. Okay. Let's see what else. Eights are sensitive to any attempts to regulate their behavior and will become irritated and rebellious until they are free of outside interference because they want the power both to set limits and to break limits. Their behavior often appears to fluctuate between imposing puritanical demands for righteous behavior on themselves and others and the opposite extreme of blowing out on all the things that they have forbidden themselves to do. <laughs> I mean, I do think that eight, I mean, and I'm I'm speaking for myself, but I think it must have been really hard to be partnered with me. <laughs> because of that, yeah, because of that sort of constantly feeling like you're pushing, you're pushing against, not just for the sake of against, but because you have a lens on, on a, on a, a better way yeah 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 and that it reminds me that aspect of eights reminds me of ones in that you know there's this standard you know there's a standard that you're always trying to you're trying to reach and you're trying to have everybody reach right and um is that one's gonna always stay with that standard they're gonna keep that standard no matter what they may raise it but they're not going to lower it and an eight will set the standard demand the standard of themselves and other people but then 
every now and then when they get bored, just throw it out. Yeah, and I think I always want to make sure that people are aware when they're being played. That's another thing that I'm hyper yeah. Yeah. vocal about. Like you get it, you're being played by this, be it politics or money or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. People have asked me to like, oh, you'd be great on, on a city council. I'm like, no, I'd be horrible on a city council. Yeah, I would be too. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to really listen to people without it 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 would be so hard to settle into all the accommodation and what's the word sacrifices you have to make to make things happen um it would just be yeah that, yeah the, the red tape the, the and just the like the quote being realistic like what you can accomplish in the system of that um which yeah yeah exactly. that would drive me up the wall because i would i would see all these other things that feel realistic to me um uh, that wouldn't yeah. be wouldn't be possible you know yeah um, that would drive me up the wall eights are concerned with being able to limit or at least being able to to predict the degree of influence that others can have over their lives trust is established by getting full self-disclosure and eliminating any as many unknowns as possible, which can come out as pressuring other people into taking a position or taking a controversial stand in order to see how others will react. Taking a controversial stand just for the idea of someone's reaction. That's... Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't resonate. Even as like, even, even as like, okay, like a couple of things, sometimes to bring energy into the room and to see where people stand. Cause that uh, earlier thing where she was talking about testing people, like, are they good? Are they bad? Are they friend? Are they foe? Do they have good intentions? Are they not? So I think sometimes if you throw out kind of a big, maybe controversial thing, then you get to quickly know where that person stands. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, you know what I mean? And it's, so it's yeah, not, yeah. it's not like you're just trying to be provocative. It's not about like, Oh, let me be provocative. It's like, yeah, let yeah. me, let me, let me go ahead and see where the fuck you stand. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Cause I want, I want people to understand. I really want people to understand the systems that they exist within. Yeah. So that they can push against them. I mean, really that's, yeah. Which I never really thought about it that way before. Like, yeah. I'm seeing this system so clearly. I want you, you live in it. That's cool that you live in it. I mean, unfortunately, we all understand do. how. Unfortunately, how we all live works. in it. We all have. We're yeah, all yeah, yeah. Sadly. But I like that, like little things but, too. Like, but I what about like, per, what about like um, relationally? Like, do you ever throw comments out just to see if someone that you love is really with you or like really do you do you feel like you maybe test that um that's interesting i mean i guess i i don't know whether i throw it out to see where they stand with me mm -hmm. or whether I see their actions and 
and determine like and and okay so let's let's take for example um friend of mine kind of having a, a moment where we're not as intimate as we were and so my solution was we're going to sit down is this a do you do you desire this relationship to continue or do you not desire this relationship? I love that question. <laughs> I love that question. Most people probably I, I can yeah. I will be fine. Yeah. I mean because I, I don't want to I don't want to stick around if you're not interested. Yes. But the thing is, is people will say, Oh, I'm interested, Bernadette, because but they're but they're not. I mean, they might be, but I'm saying yeah. a lot of people will just say they're interested because they're too scared yeah. to say. Hey, wow. Brave question. Brave answer. I'm not invested the way I yeah, once I mean, was. Cut me loose. Cut me loose would really be my cut, <laughs> cut me loose. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I see, I love that. I love that. I'm just not sure. I'm just, yeah. I mean, where that comes up for me is um, when I am get, get crossways with somebody and I think I've said this on podcasts before where I'm, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll go say this to them. Maybe I'll go see about this or say this or whatever. And then Alabel, my daughter will say, well, what's your motivation for doing that? Like, do you want to bring them yeah. close in? Cause if exactly. you, if you want to bring them close <laughs> in, like if you're going to go have that conversation, then you're pulling them towards you. So do you want to pull them towards you? And then I, yeah, have, to, exactly. and then I have to think, uh, do I want to pull them towards me? <laughs> No, I don't. No, I don't. So I'm not going to go ask him anything. Yeah, 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 let that... exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's but... a great, that's a great question. Aren't we so lucky to have our wise children? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Um, and I'm also not going to try to convince, like, I mean, I think I'm a pretty likable person for the mm -hmm. most part. Mm -hmm. um, but if, the, if I encounter someone who who doesn't jive with me or doesn't like me. And I can usually tell right away, I'm not going to do any work to convince them otherwise. That's very healthy. It's very healthy. I mean, I guess, I guess it can go both ways. But. Well, yeah, I guess it can go both ways, but I guess coming from, coming from the heart triad where I'm overly concerned with how I'm coming across all the time, I love the free that that freedom that you have there. So I guess you know again, your work is to bring up feelings. So there probably is some balance between where I am and where you are as far as the kind of emotional landscape of like how we affect people and how we're affected by people. I guess like that balance of. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't even know what the answer is anymore, honestly, because I feel, I feel overly concerned with how I come across. So I don't, but I think even as you get older, I think I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Me, that feels like one of the gifts of aging, but I'm probably like, yeah, is that of like, I, yeah, I'm not here to impress you. Yeah. So that, okay. So that's an interesting, I've never thought about this before, but people always say that about aging, right? That like, oh, you, you age and you just don't give a fuck. You don't care what other people think yeah. about you and you're free and you just do whatever you want. 
So I'm wondering for aggressive numbers in aging who are naturally already predisposed to just do whatever they want, aging, wisdom and aging for aggressive numbers might be allowing more for, I I don't know, um, like like a flexibility or a softness or a, um, which has to, it has to take into account what other people are, where they stand with you. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I haven't fleshed this out, but I think yeah, it might be, I guess what I'm saying is it might be a little too easy for aggressive numbers to be like, oh, this is what the gift of aging, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 I'm yeah, just yeah. going to continue doing whatever yeah, I want. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, right, right. I don't know. But. As, if, as if we haven't all along. Right. <laughs> now we so, have an excuse. <laughs> right, right. So I'm just guessing there, there's like a, a hidden uh, pathway that's like, uh, I still think we should should not care too much what other people think, but I think there's maybe some different pathway for aggressive numbers there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, who's making the meme of wear whatever you want and who's making the other meme that's like, this is what you should wear at this age. Right, right. right. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, funny. Yeah. Gosh. So if if this is an eight speaking, if they hurt me innocently or through stupidity, I make sure it doesn't happen again. But if it was deliberate, then I have to even the score. I want them to admit it and I want them punished. Interesting. I mean, I definitely want people to admit it. Mm-hmm. Punishment. I'm a, I mean, to me, the punishment system, again, feels like another system that we need to dismantle. So, yes, um, Ag- agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of punitive measures because <laughs> I, I don't feel like it. Yeah. I don't feel like it does what Doesn't, it needs to do. Yeah, well, that's good. I think that's that's your uh that's wisdom on your part. And I think there there are pro- a lot of eights out there that are pretty punitive. So this yeah, whole yeah, So this maybe whole, that's the de- And I think yeah. like this thing that you took on early on with fairness and then consuming being a part of fairness like uh financial equity and all that kind of stuff then i think that that kind of bleeds into like because of the like your work against not being part of systems which created that that unfairness allows you to kind of see that like that demanding someone be punished for what they did wrong is not legitimate or not helpful. Yeah. It doesn't, not, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't it's, help to, it, to suspend it's, a kid from school because they cut school. Yeah. Like, you want to know why no you want to know yeah. why they cut school and what's behind yeah, it yeah. and all that. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. But I think a lot, a lot I think a lot of, you know, immature, not maybe, uh, well, let's say unhealthy eights are pretty, they, they can, yeah, they can seem punitive and that, and the punitivity or the desire to be punitive really, again, is just that it's almost like the desire, the desire to be punitive is equal to 
the desire to protect the innocence of their their child that they lost. Oh yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess if the punishment doesn't make the change, then what's the point of the punishment? Right? If the, yes. If, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's very, that makes total sense. Um, Small errors upset eights and will cause them to react loudly because they have been unpredictably blindsided. Large scale errors are paradoxically appealing, (laughs) especially (laughs) especially if they are catastrophic enough to call for a full out confrontation. That's I don't even know what that means, but um, okay. I kind of feel I I feel that if there is like if there's something so grievous that it's just like it's not even open for discussion. Like let's say someone cheated, right? Yeah, like yeah. Something like that would be like almost an excitement that <laughs> you get to sit in that chair. Yeah. Of of being the one who was cheated on. Ah, okay. Um, I, which I have not been cheated on. So okay, okay. I was, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Not okay. any any part of our relationship, but I'm just thinking of that as a yes, yes. Um, so when the error is so grievous, there is a little bit of an air of like, oh, I don't want to say superiority, but entitlement to feel all to express freely. Yes, yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You get so to. I see, so like, I understand that. It, like if it's like little, a, you're like. An egregious error. An egregious error is like a hall pass for all of the energy of an eight. Correct. Yeah. But I also don't hold on. I don't hold on to grievances that long. Like. Yeah. I'm not a grudge holder. I don't think aggressive numbers are grudge holders. I think they move through it really quickly. Um, okay, so you said you're not into revenge, but it's a whole chapter in here. Um, thoughts of re- <laughs> thoughts of revenge buffer a resurgence of the anxiety that the child experienced it at feeling powerless. Um, planning how to get back serves to block out feelings of humiliation or of endangerment that stem from having lost out to an adversary. A grudge has a way of keeping the game going. We haven't lost yet. We are merely waiting it out until we meet again. An eight's habit of blaming others as a source of difficulty and of mentally dismissing contradictory opinions as stupid or dumb without thinking them through or other lines of defense against feeling controlled by outside influence. Eights commonly confuse their desire to even the score with the idea of justice. They have been hurt in what feels like an unfair way. So consequently, retaliation feels like balancing the scales of justice rather than simply taking revenge. Then here's a story by an eight. This last week, I went out to breakfast with a friend. The owner of the place was totally rude when he took the order. And for the whole rest of the breakfast, I could not get this out of my mind. Should I just tip the table over when I leave? (laughs) Should I create a scene with this guy? What could I do so that my day wouldn't be too humiliated and that would make me feel better? I couldn't stop thinking about what I could do to him. So I didn't do anything and left, but I still got juice on it. When I drive past the restaurant, I think, what if I could just break a window? (laughs) It doesn't leave you alone until you do something. 
Okay, so maybe that's because in that scenario, I would have said something immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe as I was leaving. Yeah. Like, man, y'all, that that I don't know what it's usually like in here, but that was so rude. Yeah. So then I would have. Then it would have been dealt with. So then you could have put it down because you dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's an interesting thing. I do think that if I didn't deal with things, that they live they live in there. And so maybe that's my my mechanism is deal with it as quickly as possible. Don't yeah. let it don't let it linger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I like that personally. It's, eights are also vulnerable to being manipulated into fighting other people's battles. They are superb examples of committed leadership in defense of justice or when oppression needs to be confronted. Yeah, but we have to make sure we get consent before we fight other people's battles. That's you, the thing I'm learning. But do like, you think as a kid, maybe you didn't get consent? You just you just did it? Like it oh, says, absolutely. It, it says I mean, like, my, my knowledge of getting consent on that is only recent. Okay. Yeah. Cause she, um, talks about, she talks about eight, eight children is like the spokespeople for all their friends who are mad about something. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why when you're raising kids too, if you're, you know, we know that our kids don't always want us to fix something. They just want to, they just want us to hear it. Yeah. So for an eight, sometimes that was hard to do. Yeah. To just hear the story and 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 let them deal with it. And so it took me a while, but finally realizing like, oh, do you want do you want help on that? I mean, even with friends, if they're airing some sort of trouble they're having, you know, asking, do you want do you want feedback or do you want input? Do you want help? Or do you want me just to listen? That's great. Well, I mean, that's years of working on that. <laughs> that's great, then. That's great. Yeah, that's the, yeah. I mean, good. I think from from Carrie Carrie Conzi, I learned a lot, and one of them was, you know, just hear it, listening to your kids with their struggles, and then letting them know, like, I'm here. If you need help, I am here. Yeah, but not just throwing your help all over them. Yes. Yes. Right. Which is, you know, maybe harder for an eight not to do. Right. And then it, and it can disempower the child. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember one time when one of my kids was in like third grade and they were having this Valentine's dance thing they were doing. And man, I got, I was so, they were so upset because they were being made to dance the girls were being paired up with the boys. It was so mm-hmm. gender normative. And um, I heard the story and went and talked to the music teacher. And then my kid was so mad at me yeah, for yeah. going and talking to the music teacher. Right. I have a lot of those moments myself. <laughs> I'm just going to make a little book of them. I'll give it yeah. to them later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, um, eights tend to maximize their own strengths and minimize an opponent's real advantages. Uh, one classic way to not perceive a threat is to bury it by shifting attention to something else for eights. 
excesses like binging and overspending. None of that would you do to block out the surfacing of a painful insight or an awareness that could threaten a sense of personal power. A self-aware eight can actually use the urgent desire for immediate satisfaction as a reminder to look within. So I thought that, I thought that was a good, helpful thing to say when you feel that urgency, that's actually a reminder to find your heart, to know what's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what's, what's going on, what's going on. I'm going to sit on my yeah. hand. I'm going to sit on my hands and I'm going to tape, yeah. tape up my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, for, I think that's the hardest place to, to be is to just allow the feelings and really look at them. Yeah. 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 Let's see. She, she talks about their ability to bury something they don't want to think about by diverting attention to pleasurable excess. This way enables you to stare straight at something and not even perceive that it is there. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. I mean, some, <laughs> sometimes I think I should have a little more anxiety around certain things. Uh-huh. but I have a really good ability to just be like, I'm not going to think about that right now. Yeah. Okay. And so like, where is that? Is it just about like what, I guess it, what's interesting to me is the, 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 the things that an eight is ready to fight for at all times. And then the things that an eight is we- willing to bury are the things that they're like, how does that, my guess is, I guess, what I'm saying is that things that you're willing to bury are probably the access points to the heart. So, yeah. And they're only going to, the things that I'm willing to bury are usually things that in my mind only impact me. They're not impacting. Hmm. That's interesting. Others around me. Okay. Or I can convince myself that they, they only impact me. Yeah, they probably, uh, they, they, that's, yeah, they probably impact a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, "Ah, oh gosh. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's see. Meditation practice, obviously. I mean, it's like she gets into that on every chapter. Um, I could be better at that. She said that eights can, often get into um, a meditation practice where they're, they're saying to themselves, quote, don't let yourself think state of mind is a kind of controlled wall staring. Mm. And so they bypass kind of that surrender to the heart by just like this controlled wall staring. Like I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking. Yeah. 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 So, um, or would opt for like, I'm going to do a walking meditation. I'm not going to do a sitting meditation. Yeah. Yeah. That would require too much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They uniformly describe a body-based impression of space rather than reporting that they are flooded with other people's feelings or that they habitually channel attention to mental imagination. So that's her talking about the um, triads. Um, You're in the gut or body triad right with eights and I mean with nines and ones so a body I like her description of a body-based impression of space you know as opposed yeah. to yeah and that's 
I don't even really know what that means. Um, but like feeling it somewhere in your body, like knowing a knowing where... that comes from body, a knowing that comes from instinctual bodiness, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. I do talk a lot about like your like tuning into your gut. Yeah. Like really making sure um that you that that's a a divine point of knowing. Yes. Is the yeah. feeling. Yes. And I'm yeah. pretty good also at identifying like where's where stress lives. Mm-hmm. Or like you see from grabbing my see me grabbing my throat. <laughs> yes, yes. Seems like a lot of people have throat blockage you know it seems to be my my theory about the many of the politicians is if you look at their giant waddle it's because they have yeah throat blocked from flying so much wow bernadette (laughs) i love that wow is that true of the female politicians as well um mostly notice it on the the men's yeah. Men leaders. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, <laughs> Pay attention. Look at that now. I'm going future. to. I'm going to. <laughs> There's a pride in the fact that if something needs to be said, then an eight will speak out. And, and great self-blame for those same words that spoken in anger can lead to the loss of friendship. Eights have been rewarded for being powerful in the past. And it can be shocking to them to realize that winning an argument can lead to rejection rather than respect. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I think I've that's only it. been blocked by a couple people so far. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the track do, record's pretty good. <laughs> that's good. But I mean, do you think that that whole uh, idea that if I win the argument, then I will be respected? Is that something that you think about? Like that it is. I mean, to me, it's like if you, if somebody wins an argument, it's because the, it's been resolved. Yeah, it's been resolved. And so I don't know if respect is a thing, but like, I wouldn't imagine that you would lose a friendship over it. Yeah, I would hope not. It can happen, though. Yeah, that wouldn't really be a deep friendship. Um, so the virtue of innocence is your what you're going for. Um Innocents walk into new situations without prior ideas or expectations about what they are going to find. So that's kind of her description of like where you're, where you're trying to find your way back to is that kind of not, not having any ideas about what people's motives are, what the situation, the, you know, the problems with the, even the systems. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do. I mean, I think judgment is something I'll be working on my entire life. Like, well, you and me both. (laughs) And it's really like being aware of it. Yeah. And when you do judge, so really like setting intentions as you're entering into a space of, of not judging based on no information. I might judge you once I gather the information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
But man, I think judgment is the hardest thing as a human to to not do. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that's the one of the gifts of meditation for me is helping me see how much time I spend in judgment for myself and for others. Yeah. 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 And I do. And I think and I want to change that. Help. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Enneagram's super helpful with that too. Sure. Of, yes. Of not judging. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Cause you realize people are just not. Um... Yeah. They're coming at it from a totally different mindset. Yeah. They can't even, they can't even come at it from your mindset. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is a story about a married couple. Um, three years into marriage, I got pushed to the wall. I had no idea that he was looking for intimacy by being such a pain. All I knew was that he was insulting me in public. I got so resentful that I had to fight back, which meant the end for me because this, this person talking didn't want any conflict or want to, you know, anything to be go wrong or be controversial. I still don't think I would have done it if, if I hadn't been absolutely sure that he wasn't going to hit me. I remember getting two steps up on the stairway so that I could see him eye to eye. And I told him off right in his face. I repeated his position back to him point for point. And then I told him that I did not agree. I could see from his face that it didn't compute. If I could say his position back to him, then I had to agree. (laughs) When I screamed (laughs) off my own points, it was amazing. It turned him on. He got smiley and affectionate and lost his anger with me. I had never seen anybody change so quickly. The combination of me two steps up on the stairwell and screaming made him love me. So this is a woman talking about her eight husband. Um, and so that's a really good example of how they want you to go, as Suzanne would say, toe-to-toe with them. And this person's unwillingness in the relationship to do that caused him as he was seeking her intimacy. He wanted to know where she was. So yeah, was yeah, yeah. More and more aggressive and saying things in public and being more and more demeaning or judgmental. Yeah. Until she could finally, it took an excess of that for her to stand up for herself. And once she was able to stand up for herself, he, it resolved it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can see that where, where meekness slash weakness is kind of, it's, it, it doesn't look attractive to me. Yeah. 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 It's a well, power. you're not even willing to stand up for yourself. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a helpful story. I think. Um, I'm see. not going to put people down to see if I can get a rise out of them. <laughs> you're not, but I wonder, I wonder if there's other ways in which you are testing them or coming for them. Coming in hot, as your kids would say. I yeah, wonder yeah, if, yeah, yeah. I yeah. wonder if there's ways in which you're coming in for people. That is your way of testing the waters and trying to find the commonality or the link or the, you know, where you where you stand together. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to ponder that. Okay. 
as friendship moves to intimacy, eight step into the uncustomary position of having to consult with someone. When eights realize they are becoming dependent upon a partner's love, they will be spurred into a counter reaction of relating as a powerful ally and protector. They will want to take charge, which can easily shift to controlling the mechanics of the partner's life as a way of feeling less vulnerable. Do you feel like, does that resonate like uh, controlling the mechanics of the partner's life? Or, or kids? Yeah, life yeah, or yeah, yes, totally. And I mean, I, I think that's why it's hard to be married to an eight. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you, I'm sure not. But do you think that a that, uh, self-aware eight could say, oh, here I am controlling the mechanics of my beloved's life. And it's because I need the control and I need to feel clear really. But like under needing the control is I need to feel that innocent love that, you know, right. That lost place of innocence and belonging and love much easier to, to try to seek that through control. Yeah. So, and I so mean, let I, me, I let me like- just stop with this mechanics thing. Cause the mechanics thing is not really what I'm after. And I mean, do you think an eight can sink into that? Do you, can they sink into letting, letting go, I guess of, of, uh, I mean, I think that's the thing that takes a lot of a lot of work and a lot of practice. Um, and I think as a as a parent, that's that's been my number one teacher in that of realizing mm-hmm. like everyone coming at everything from their own from their own way of operating. Um, yeah. Just so I think as, a, that. as yeah. A, the, yeah, the parenting is probably the best teacher in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I do struggle with feeling like, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess I keep coming back to the word, my relevance um, and my, my importance in the world and whatever, whether it's in a small relationship or in a bigger community setting. Um, unless I have an active role, I think I ask the question, do I even matter? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, <clears throat> it's a hard place to live. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that we all do that in our different, from our different energies. So I'm thinking that probably eight nine ones feel that way about their active their their relevance comes for this active participation and five six sevens relevance comes from this these mental constructs and these abilities to understand and make sense of things in their head and three two threes and fours feel relevance from this energy of, of emotions. And because we have over, we put all our eggs in the basket of that energy or most of our, you know, that's why we struggle. We struggle because we keep trying to find relevance with the same hammer 
the same hammer mm. over our dominant energy. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's why, I mean, that's why I love Enneagram is because it's, it's like, Oh, okay. You need to put down that hammer and pick up yeah, 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 this, yeah. this tool and try. And so aggressive numbers, bringing up heart, um, bringing up that tenderness, looking for that childhood innocence, the meditation, real trying in the meditation to, to not just seize on that wall staring as she says um or helpful it's helpful hard yeah 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 i think and i mean the childhood innocence is an interesting thing and i i think i was i i really was able to touch into that during my mom's death like mm. it was tell such me, a magnificent tell me about that oh my god her death was just the most amazing thing i mean it was it was she was lucid until the very end but sort of we we you switch roles at that point right like you're you're the mother yes in that moment yes and and i mean that was often my role was the sort of emotional caretaker for her and not in a not in a not in a burdened way and in a sort of an honorable way um but just like real, it was pure. All I felt was pure love. Mm. Like, and that to me is the childhood innocence, right? Just yes. that pure love. Yes. And um, I even got a, you know, at the last few minutes, got this look from her, like, like she looked so excited and it really did look like pure like a birth, like the moment of a of an infant's birth. That's beautiful. And so yeah, so to be able to touch that and witness it and be part of it, ah, uh, it was oh. incredible. And to share it with two of my brothers was also yeah, beautiful. They were in the room with you. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And it was two in the morning, which was perfect for me because <laughs> I like to stay. <laughs> we like to be the but we were telling her like mom you can't be the last to leave this party oh <laughs> yeah oh that's beautiful well I think that's yeah. I think that's a good place to stop um but thank you so much Bernadette oh man thank you so much I learned so much and I I learned so much from every one of these conversations with you so. oh I'm glad I'm glad okay well happy summer I'll All see. right, you too. I'll see. Okay. All right. We'll be up in Maine. Oh, good. Yeah. You can stay.